welcome to Viz, the podcast and show where the power of human connection and the age of information is the driver behind all of our content. To sum us up, we discuss very important stuff, also the initials of Viz, with really interesting people. We get up close and personal with each other and with what we're discussing to give you, our listeners, the power to make positive change through knowledge about loads of different topics. I'm Izzy. And I'm Star. And our topic today is a really great one. It's a really interesting one. And that is the topic of music therapy. Uh, So we're going to be talking today about music therapy. And our guest, which we'll tell you a bit more about later on, is someone who uses music uh, to help those in prisons and those at risk of offending. Um, and we're really excited about this one, aren't we, Is Oh, I'm buzzing. I absolutely love the guest this week, so uh, I'm hyped about that. And, mm. of course, as you know, I adore words. So, you know... Is is your ideal show, basically. Basically, yeah. It's why we're doing it. It's why we're here. <laughs> um, so we just thought we'd kind of kick off um, with talking about bit about music therapy and the concept of music therapy because it's actually a really interesting one um, and it's also a really important concept because it does a lot of good um, and but it's one that's actually been around for a lot longer than you might expect so the earliest known reference to music therapy um, according to the American Association of Music Therapy is actually in 1789 and it was in an unsigned article in the Colombian magazine titled uh, Music Physically Considered. Um, Now also in the early 1800s writing on the therapeutic value of music appeared in two medical dissertations um, which was kind of a big deal for that for that time period Um, and uh, yeah there was um, they were kind of first published by Edwin uh, Atlee in 1804 and the second by Samuel Matthews in 1806 and Atlee and Matthews were both students of Benjamin Rush uh, who was a physician and a psychiatrist who was a strong advocate of using music to treat medical diseases which in itself is a radically kind of forward-thinking concept for those times Um, and the 1800s also saw the first recorded music therapy intervention in an institutional setting um, as well as the first recorded systematic experiment in music therapy Um, so there's kind of a bit of history about the about music therapy um, and there's so much there to talk about Um, but we also wanted to kind of go over um, some of the benefits um, that have been proven through various different studies um, about music therapy the benefits that they can kind of have in people's life so the the these kind of six proven benefits on music therapy are based off of a study done by Gillian Levy uh, in 2017 um and um she kind of shares the six major health benefits of music therapy and the first one is music therapy reduces anxiety and physical effects of stress now i don't know about you is but i personally definitely relate to that that. yeah do you know i have so many different genres that i go to when i'm feeling different moods Mm. and that's just uh that just is emblematic of how connected we are with music and Mm. emotion Mm, you know mm. people when they're sad they listen to sad music and they might not realize but that's actually them trying to trying to alleviate their sadness you know exactly it's kind of like um going back to a GCSE uh, 
English lit. It's kind of like pathetic fallacy, but with music, isn't it? Yes. You know? (laughs) Wow. At least we learned something at school, hey? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Never going to use trigonometry, but, you know, it's coming back around. Um, Yeah, so I can definitely relate to that as well. You know, um, just that feeling of, of wanting to almost immerse yourself in whatever the feelings whatever you're going through and often I find music having a way to express what you're feeling um it's a way of expressing that you can't do on your own exactly you can't access that exactly expression on your own you feel like you're stumped so so you go to music and and it just gives you this release yeah exactly that kind of musical that concept of like musical escapism isn't it exactly um and the second benefit is that it improves healing so I haven't um uh had any experience uh of this myself but the the third benefit it kind of links into because it says that it can actually help manage parkinson's and alzheimer's disease um now i know there's a lot of different research in into into this particular uh disease um we kind of heard a story crop up uh, in our journalism course a couple of weeks ago about cold water having an amazing you know benefits for for this disease so actually it doesn't surprise me that um yeah I suppose like the cathartic power of music too and you you know what it's not academic but I have seen videos of of people with Alzheimer's who hear music from their past yes and then they they just light up Mm-hmm. and it's the only thing that keeps them you know in touch with mm-hmm. their memories because mm-hmm. obviously memory is is such a plays in a really vital role in the way that alzheimer's takes people away from mm-hmm. us and yeah. and yeah it can trigger memories which is just so powerful mm-hmm. um and i've seen videos as well of people um with alzheimer's you know where they've you know really devastatingly forgotten everything about their life you know the people in their life their life story um but they've been able to play a musical instrument yeah. throughout their life and then they you know they sit in front of it's that beautiful. piano yeah and no, they, I've seen, and they I can think still I've play probably, oh, oh stunning it's so stunning that yeah. is just the power of music isn't it mm, yeah mm. Um, so we'll just um, kind of whip through the last three. So number four is that music therapy helps reduces depression and other symptoms in the elderly. So I think that's kind of linked into what we were mm. talking a bit about there. Um, it can also help to reduce symptoms of psychological disorders, including schizophrenia. Wow. Yeah. So my my partner's actually studying um, uh, in Guildhall in London and his flatmate in, in first year um, was manic schizophrenic um, and he actually um, composed an opera um, about his time when he was sectioned when he was sectioned oh incredible um, and it I mean I haven't seen it but I've heard people say you know who, who did go to see it my partner who did go to see it you know it was just incredible because it was this kind of it's incomprehensible to someone Mm. who doesn't know what it's like to experience you know um something like schizophrenia it's coming back to that that expression as well like expressing something that you can't normally express express to people it's Mm. music so universal yeah Um, exactly um and yeah that comes on to the the to the sixth point which is music therapy improves self-expression and communication oh and i i just wanted to talk about this anecdote as well i Mm. I remember seeing on um 
that program I think it's called Teaching Yorkshire or something like that mm. and there's this there's this young young boy and he's got he's got a stutter mm. and he has to do a yes. public speaking exam yes. and his teacher tells him to put headphones in and listen to music and his stutter disappears when he has music playing in his ears. I remember and I, seeing that. It was oh, amazing, wasn't it? Wow. Yeah, and that just yeah, that just shows just the power of music, isn't it? Mm. So if you've just uh, tuned in, uh, you're listening to Viz on Source FM with Star and Izzy. Hello. Hello. <laughs> and I, I also wanted to talk about this, this something that I'm really passionate about. So I'm really passionate about restorative justice. I'm sure that there'll be another episode dedicated to that. Mm, definitely. Um, but there's this one, there's one man called Maxwell Melvins who, uh, he, he went, he took music, um, into prisons and he he helped a lot of prisoners express themselves so he, he in the uh in the 90 80s or 90s he accidentally killed his best friend and he was mm-hmm. put into prison now he knew that he was responsible he took full accountability for everything it was a complete accident anyway whilst he was in prison he got involved with something called the lifers group which was some sort it was like a community project trying to trying to re- rehabilitate prisoners mm. and he encouraged them to start a hip-hop group mm. and they became an amazing amazing hip-hop group they started they actually released an album um they released lifers group ep and it became hollywood basic which is the rap label it became their inaugural release in 1991 and a documentary was made about the group called Lifers Group World Tour, Railway Prison, That's It. And that documentary was actually nominated for a Grammy. So mm-hmm. so these these men actually got really far in the hip hop community. And um, Maxwell Melvins, the man who instigated it all, talks about how it helped him realise the impact of his actions and it helped him come to terms with them and it helped him connect with other people uh, forming social bonds and stuff Mm. that are so important to reintegration and rehabilitation in prison. Um, Maxwell now, he he now writes poetry uh, for community magazines and is a public speaker. He's done a lot of TED Talks. Um, he's really inspirational, so if you do want to listen to him, definitely look him up, Maxwell Melvins. Um, and yeah, and this leads on to my song choice for this week. So straight out of the cells of East Jersey State Prison, I want to introduce you to Lifers Group. Um, this song is called The Belly of the Beast, and it's off of their 1991 album named after the group, the Lifers Group EP. Um, and it just epitomises what life's like in the prisons for these men and honestly just listen to the lyrics because they are extraordinarily powerful Mm. hey 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 my name is golden boom i'm one of the ones who didn't listen i've been in prison for 14 years this record ain't no joke learn the dispense of our sorrow and don't end up in the belly of the Like dogs on the street, he was tough, but it's hell. He's a getting the ass 
sticks, they kicks up. Turning tricks in the house of pain, there's no peace. I'm living in the belly of the beast. I was at such a point when I can pass it through. When I see my big brother with this crazy crew. So we came down to me and said, what's up with you? I tried to take a piece, but it wouldn't turn it loose. The only reason why I didn't go out hard. Cause my brothers in the front, I would've took them apart. So they moved, and I burned this crew. And that was really what I had to do. But that's how it was not meant to be. But they had my brother stuck out on so many keys. So I brought this message so you can see.
Choices. Such a wicked song, isn't Such it? A and do you know song. what? Like mm. the 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 lyrics in that, like this is I this is why one of the reasons I love music is the lyrics are so poetic. Mm. They're just magic. Like these these men were so incredibly talented, and that talent was you know was sort of being hidden away, and and the lifers group just gave them this platform to like express it all, mm. which is just amazing. Mm. And and music and lyrics just have again just to reiterate what we've already been saying (laughs) just have that ability to express things that words or just you know trying to say it out loud just can't you know and i think even even just like the beat of a of a song or of a track can can portray it says so much feeling yeah Yeah, definitely now moving on to the this week's guest this week we're welcoming welcoming Someone who has loads of experience using music therapy to engage some of the most hard to reach groups in society. Our guest today is the enterprising Kelly Thorne, a Cornish social entrepreneur and artist whose work is a huge inspiration to loads of people. Kelly started off as a probation officer and stuck with it for seven years, during which she received an award for her use of rap as a therapy for offenders. She then left the probation services in 2012 to start her first of many community interest companies. Inspired by her own love of music, she launched Four Elements, a unique community project that uses hip-hop and rap culture to engage those at risk of offending and social exclusion in Redruth and Camborne. And the project has gone on to help launch the careers of a lot of young Cornish artists. In 2019, Kelly then started an ambitious pilot project that provides distance learning as a rehabilitation course for prisoners. The course is online and it can be used by prisoners inside their cells and by ex-offenders in the community as well. It was rolled out to HMP Exeter and HMP Dartmoor and will hopefully be sold to prisons and community projects nationwide soon. She's also created loads of educational resources that she hopes would engage hard-to-reach groups with literature in more accessible ways. Now, on top of all this, I know it sounds like a lot, mm-hmm. Kelly's also a photographer and an artist, and she's used her skills to build a thriving art scene in Red Reef and Camborne, some of the most deprived areas in the county um, that are in desperate need of regeneration. She's certainly a role model in my life, and I'm super excited to get her, get to know her a bit better. So without further ado, please welcome Kelly Thorne. Yee. We just want to basically dive into a bit about you, um, a bit about your work, and then also have a song choice from you so firstly tell us a bit about what it was like growing up in Red Ruth and Camborne okay well um grew up in the 90s 80s and 90s born in 81 um so uh yeah I mean my dad was a minor it's quite a common Camborne story really dad was a minor um obviously there was lots of political stuff going on in the house trade union stuff um he was went on the minor strikes, so yeah. I mean, it was a it was a it was a strange time in the eighties. I mean, there was a lot of a punk movement going around. So, like, my sisters were into well, one of them was into punk music, and the other one was into soul 
So there were quite a lot of music in the household from different genres. Um, and then when I got into the 90s, it was really more just me and my mum. And uh, yeah, I was really into uh, sort of hip hop music came out obviously in the 90s, went to Camborne School. Um, and yeah, had a generally good childhood in this area, but it is, you know, a deprived area. So there were, you know, the challenges of that, um, being raised in a single parent household in my teens yeah. um, and seeing my mum sort of struggle through. But, you know, um, always had enough and I really wanted to go off to university. I was first generation to go to university in the family mm, fab and and after uni you then went on to be a probation officer and this was amazing i mean i'm inspired by your work to be honest and you went on to uh, to win an award for your work uh tell us a bit about that award that you that you won in 2012 yeah so um i because of my being a hip-hop fan i um I developed with my some of the guys that I was working with as a probation officer because you know nothing was really working for some of them. You know they've been some of them have been in the system, been on probation, youth offending for you know many many years. So I decided to try something different and uh, would you know because they a lot of them were writing rap lyrics and were huge hip hop fans. So I started doing what I called rap therapy, which was um, I would just ask them to either write a song on a certain topic. Or we'd look at songs that were already written uh, by rappers they liked. A lot of them were very into sort of Eminem. Um, and so, yeah, so, you know, we looked at different um, rap lyrics on different topics, whether it be relationships or addiction, various different things. Eminem being a rapper that covers quite a lot of sort of personal anguish and personal issues, difficult upbringing, difficult relationships, and those sort of topics really resonated with the guys. Mm. So that, that went really well. And, um, yes, yeah, so I, I won the award in 2012 on that. And then after that, um, I was so inspired by it. I was just like, yeah, I don't want to really just do the normal desk job. Um, so I left and uh, started Four Elements. Um, so Four Elements then, I basically just found all the local MCs that are in sort of this Camborne Redruth area and there's actually there was a surprising amount of young people that were writing and actively writing lyrics at home but had nowhere to record so uh so that's what I started doing I, I picked up my other love which was photography and I started photographing them and videoing them making their music videos and that's how four elements came about amazing mm, amazing yeah, yeah I wish a project like that was in my hometown to be honest um I've always loved poetry well poetry and performance so yeah, I'm a bit jealous of the uh, the Cornish who who got to experience that. Mm. Um, but it didn't stop there, did it? it? It you went on to develop something called Change Course Hub, and that's been actually delivered in two prisons now. Um, tell us a bit about that as well. Yeah, so uh, I think because I was doing so much, almost kind of like youth work type work with the young guys with the rap, I wanted something a little bit more practical to deliver, um, like some kind of resource. And my idea was you know, the, the prison system and the probation system and a lot of those things, you know, they the stuff they go over is just sort of always, always the basic kind of basic living stuff. And it didn't really go into really helping a person change. And I know a lot of per people personally who've dealt with addiction and I've just seen them go through all those different stages with, with addiction. And, you know, just that lack of kind of, it just made me think a lot about how we could kind of bring it together in some kind of, 
like course that just helps people in life, like get those sort of basic elements together, whether it be eating healthy or um, getting a creative hobby like writing rap lyrics or whatever creative hobby they might be interested in. Just all those different and your finances as well. You know, there's not enough financial literacy taught in schools, let alone prisons. Um, and so I want to kind of bring all those sorts of things together in one in one thing. So I think I was doing it four elements, but adding it to sort of wider life skills. So I came up with Change Course and um, I wrote. So it's basically a collection of animated videos, information videos and a workbook, which they do on their own. So um, and I piloted it in Dartmoor Prison. Um, and it's, we've done a year pilot now and it's extremely successful. I designed it to be like really, to really resonate with people. And it did so much so that we've got like a massive waiting list of people that want to take the course and they do it in their cells. So it's independent of like the probation service, independent of prison education. Um, they do it just because they want to, um, which I think really helps. And, you know, we've made it really, uh, you know the animation and the colors and everything is very dyslexia friendly it's learning styles friendly um it's but it doesn't dumb it down that you, you you're patronizing people which i felt was really important because i think that so often um we patronize people who um you know are in prison and, and fall into crime and actually there's a lot of very intelligent people who have just had a different different type of life so um, so I feel like we've kind of hit the nail on the head and it's expanded and it's gone actually bigger than just our local prisons. We started with Dartmoor and Exeter, but it's gone bigger than that now. In fact, Northern Ireland have just suggested that they want to roll it out in all their three prisons. So, wow. um, so Congratulations, yeah, Kelly. That's actually you. amazing. That is amazing, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so it seems, it seems like Northern Ireland are really progressive. So they've kind of, they asked if they could have a few free samples and they did it and they were blown away with it and they said that it really helped some of the guys who were struggling with self-harm um and there were guys that didn't even know they were dyslexic who through the book found out they were dyslexic and have now gone on to get help for education and that they're just really raved about it and um so i just i hope that the rest of the prisons in this country because not all of our prisons are very progressive um mm. and so it's it's a battle uh but it was really great and a real it's been a real breath of fresh air to speak to northern ireland and how different they're doing things yeah and i think so. i think it's definitely a step in the right direction in terms of reforming the way mm. that we view crime and the way that we view criminals because it is a cause and effect process yeah. it's not it's it's never the person's you know sometimes it's the person's fault but there's always a cause isn't there um, yeah. And and we you you touched upon some of the flaws in the education system in there, and you talked mm. about dyslexia. Now, six point three million people in the UK have dyslexia, and mm. uh, people who end up in the criminal justice system are three to four times more likely to have it. Um, mm. I know that you've got some personal views about educational reform. Um, yeah, tell me a bit about that. Well, I, I, so I have severe dyslexia, um, so some of this is personal for me. Um, I was never diagnosed in school. Growing up in the 90s, the 90s attitude was um, that it tends to be boys that have it, um, or the naughtier boys were diagnosed, the ones with the behavioural problems. But because I was a female, because I was well-behaved, um, for some weird reason they thought, and, and I actually had teachers say that to me, it's, it's boys that have it. Um, you know, uh, so there was a lot of ignorance around it around then. And actually, people said things to me, teachers said things to me like, you're too intelligent to have dyslexia. 
Um, that's how ignorant they were about it back then, um, because actually we know it's got nothing to do with intelligence. In fact, people with dyslexia have a higher IQ than the average person. So it's to do with our, our literacy level is, is very low. Our problem solving skills are very high. So it's, although it's a disability in terms of le- learning to read and write was hell uh, for me, and I can certainly understand how a lot of, uh, especially um, sort of boys with behavioral problems, have that frustration where they probably acted up, you know, chucked a care across a room or whatever they did to get out of the class so they could get away from that having to read out loud or write on the board. Because I remember the humiliation that it, it caused, knowing mm. that you weren't up to speed with your peers in terms of reading and writing and the stigma or stigma of being put in remedial classes, which I was, and the frustration of them being so frustrated and angry because, I, you know, I was so beyond the content of the remedial class. I could, my reading skills were, were lower, my writing skills were lower, but, you know, I was intelligent enough to do the stuff in the top classes. Um, so, you know, you then have that boredom that then sets in. Um, and then that frustration that we're very creative people, of course. And then, you know, if you're not obviously given a creative outlet, then that can obviously lead to frustration. So, so some of that was personal. And then, of course, um, as you touched on, there's um, such inequality in the prison system. Of course, I saw it all the time. And I remember as a probation officer, we'd have this form that we had to fill in with people when they started. It was a real tick box exercise where we'd get to the bottom of what their learning skills were. and We'd do this form with them. But then absolutely nothing changed about what we were delivering there after that. So it's like you ask the question, the person identifies that this is their learning style and then you do nothing with it. There's nothing different to what you offer them than you offer somebody else. It was ridiculous. Mm. And that's, I think that's, that practice pretty much still goes on today. The prison system have got a lot better. There's a lot of great stuff going on in the prisons that I've been working in, which I've seen. There's the Shannon Trust, which are... Um, working in our local prisons in, in Devon and Cornwall who help guys learn to read and write and give extra skills um, and they have a lot of peer mentoring stuff so a lot of the prisoners will give time to help others learn to read and write or help with dyslexia filling in forms mm. printing stuff on coloured paper so the prison system has got a lot a lot better and there's there is a lot of a lot of help I think there's less outside of prison for people um, mm, like reintegration help. and stuff like yeah. that yeah. Yes. And, and, you know, not really. And it's like, you know, you're sending somebody to a computer to fill in their UC forms as soon as they get out. They've got to fill in this form and that form. And, the, you know, so I think that in terms of like Department of Work and Pensions, I think that there's, it's really bad in terms of, you know, lots of different learning skills and issues yeah. in terms of support there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so that's why one of the reasons why I designed the book the way I did, you know, again, to sort of address those inequalities. Fab. Well, mm. Get a little, we want to learn a little bit more about you, so we've we've asked for you to choose a song for yep. us. Do you want to just tell us what the song is and why you've chosen it? Yes, um, so I've chosen uh, Nas featuring Lauren Hill, a track called If I Ruled the World. Um, this track came out when I was in my teens, I think I was about 15-ish, so you're talking sort of mid-90s. Um, and Nas is is one of my favourite rappers. Um, and the reason, one of the reasons why I got so into him in the '90s was because he, was, although I was really into hip hop, he was one of the first rap, uh, rappers in that time where there was a lot of gangster rap and very commercial kind of rap around, and a lot of more negative topics were heard. Nas was a different voice that came through with what we call conscious rap. 
Um, so he, and this song really sums that up if you listen to the words. It was a song where he's dreaming of sort of a, an ideal world where there's different, you know, without the inequalities in society and talking about some of those issues that he sort of experienced growing up in Queens, New York. Um, and then obviously the beautiful um, singing by Lauren Hill. Lauren Hill was huge in the 90s and was really inspirational and is one of still the best female rappers who could give most men uh, a run for their money. Mm, she doesn't absolutely. rap in the rap, <laughs> but she is, she is awesome. So I highly recommend if anyone, um, obviously from the younger generations, aren't, you know, aren't, aren't as clued up on the 90s, I highly recommend you go and get the first Fuji's album, The Score, and pick up this the track that this Nas album is from, which is It Was Written, which was his second album. His first and second albums are completely iconic. Imagine going to court with no trial, lifestyle, cruising blue behind my waters, no welfare supporters, more conscious of the way we raise our daughters, days are shorter, nights are colder, feeling like life is over, these snakes strike like a cobra, the world's hot, my son got knocked, evidently it's elementary, they want us all gone eventually, trooping out of state for a plate, knowledge, if coke was cooked without the garbage, we'd all have the top dollars, imagine everybody flashing, fashion, designer clothes, lacing your click up with diamond rolls, your people holding dough, no parole, no rubbers, going raw, imagine law with no undercovers, just some thoughts for the mind, I take a glimpse into time, watch the blimp read, the world is mine, I rule the world, imagine that, I free all my The way to be paradise life relaxing Black, Latino, and Anglo-Saxon Amani exchange the range Cast, lost tribe of Shabazz Free at last, brand new whips to crash Then we laugh in the illopath The villa houses for the crew, how we do Trees for breakfast, dime sexes have been stretches So many years of depression make me vision The better living, type of place to raise kids in Opening eyes to the lies, history's told foul But I'm as wise as the old owl Plus the gold child, seeing things like I was controlling Click rolling, tricking six digits on kicks and still holding Trips to Paris, I civilize every savage Give me one shot, I turn tripe life to lavish Political prisoners Set free, stress free, no work release, purple and threes and jet skis, fill the wind breeze in West Indies. I make Coretta Scott King, mayor the cities and reverse things to Willie's. It sound foul, but every girl I meet to go downtown. I'd open every cell in Attica, send them to Africa. Imagine that.
worry. Duck down in car seats, heat's mandatory. Running from Jake, getting chased, hunger for papes. These are the breaks, many mistakes go down out of state. Wait, I had to let it marinate. We carry weight, trying to get laced. Flip the A stack to safe. Millionaire plan to keep the gap with the cock camera. Making moves in Atlanta, back and forth scrambler. Cause you can have all the chips. Be poor or rich, still nobody want a brother having shit. If I rule the world and everything in it, sky's the limit. I push the Q45 infinite. It wouldn't be no such thing as jealousies or be felony. Strictly living longevity to the destiny I thought I'd never see, but reality struck. Better find out before your time's out. What the? If I rule the world, imagine that. I free all my Iconic sound, oh, such an iconic sound. Such a good song choice. I'm a massive fan of Lauren Hill as well, um, and actually went to see her a couple of years ago when she came to the UK, um, kind of doing a revised Miseducation tour, because um, I think it was the 20-year anniversary of the Miseducation of Lauren Hill. So, oh yeah, I just love her oh, voice. Every every. That's tr- amazing that you went to see her. Um, I, so I saw her when she originally came out with the Fugees in. Um, what was that? you know, I was 15, so it was like 95, 96. Mm. Um, and guess who her support act was? This will make you laugh. This mm. is just the support act, okay? The support act was Jay Z. No way! <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's brilliant. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Tells you something about, about the odd Lauren Hill there. Yes, yeah, definitely does. Um, so I think Izzy mentioned um before before uh, the, your song choice that we just wanted to kind of get a get to know you personally a bit more. We've heard a lot about kind of the role that music has played um in your work life and all those amazing programs um that uh yeah you've rolled out in prisons and 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 stuff like that so but I wanted to kind of ask you a bit about what role has music played in your life on a more personal level would you say yeah I mean god huge um it's so funny you know because not everybody gets it today because not Mm. everybody's that into music I mean I've got friends who just say yeah I don't really listen to music and I'm like whoa like music (laughs) is like like, how do you how do you get through life um um, so music's huge. Okay, so it started for me when I was like three or four. Um, and this is it's quite odd, but I mean, I don't know how, but I guess because I had older sisters. I had teenage sisters when I was a, a small child. There's a big gap between us. I think I, uh, my mother decided randomly, but, you know, much later that she would have me. 
So I had t- these teenage sisters who were playing records a lot. And so I learned to play the record player when I was only three or four. And I would put their records on. God knows why they ever let me, because I must have scratched up records. But mm-hmm. So I learned to, to, to play records very, very young. Um, and uh, so I would just very much go into sort of a, you know, this sort of like, you know, I, I would just need them on to just be able to escape some of the uh, things that were going on in the house. For instance, there was a lot of arguing uh, because my family sort of broke down when I was about sort of six. Um, mm. So for me, um, putting on music and going and shutting myself in a room and just playing with my toys or whatever I was doing, you know, was like a, almost a coping mechanism. So I, I learned that like under five. Mm. Um, so, of course, that, that that has just carried on throughout my life. So you know, it, it's, it's just always been a part of my daily routine. And obviously, um, I just got so into hip hop when I was, it started at about nine when I started listening to sort of Salt and Pepper, uh, loved Salt and Pepper around mm-hmm. that sort of time. And then it wasn't then, re- and then when I sort of got to sort of 12, 13 was when, um, you know, Snoop Dogg album came out, the first Cypress Hill album came out. Um, Dr. Dre produced this uh, the the a soundtrack called Above the Rim, um, which Tupac was a, is a film that Tupac was in, and the Above the Rim soundtrack was fantastic. It was this, it was the, the soundtrack that Regulate by Warren G, which you probably mm-hmm. all heard of. Yeah, and that so those were like my first ever CDs because CDs only just came out then. So those were my first CDs. I've also got into R and B quite a lot. Um, I know it's funny to think back now because obviously of everything we know, but R. Kelly was huge then, mm-hmm. and so I was I was really into R. Kelly and Jodeci and Mary J. Blige in the nineties as well. Um, and I started going because I had a sister in Birmingham. Um, being a Cornish girl, I had this different sort of link that other people didn't have down here in the. Um, you know, I would go to Birmingham and she'd take me to concerts. So, mm. for instance, we went to the early R. Kelly concerts for 12 Play and uh, the, R- the R. Kelly album after the second one after the 12 Play. And, I mean, again, the, the support act for R. Kelly one time we went was Biggie Smalls. So, no way. <laughs> yeah. And I went and I remember, I literally remember the moment where I was listening. Um, so Biggie was on stage and he... He played a track called Warning off of the Ready to Die album. And the track came in and his vocals started. And his vocals were so powerful. I can't even describe it. It boomed around the arena. Wow. In, in You know, a lot of rappers would come on stage and they would kind of mumble into the mic a lot, jump around a lot. And it wouldn't always be so clear. Mm-hmm. But his vocal was so strong, it like took your breath away. It, it was like, wow. it was literally, mm. I remember literally thinking, oh my God, I need to get this guy's album tomorrow. Because mm. he, he was a nobody at that point. He, mm. You know, he, he was a nobody at that point. So, um, so yeah, so I think, yeah, so, so those early experiences of going to Birmingham to stay with my sister and being able to see those live performances of the Fuji, seeing Jay-Z, seeing early Biggie mm. uh, and, and all those sorts of things, seeing a very strange R. Kelly concert, which obviously looking back, you realise how perverse it was, which is like kind of weird. Mm. <laughs> we didn't realise it back then, but now, now when you look back in hindsight, mm. I mean, I was a big Aaliyah fan. I knew that he married Aaliyah when she was 15 mm. um, and everybody knew it. And I remember the journalism that was around at the time in the articles that I was reading mm. that was so complicit to what was basically open child abuse. It was, oh, it was yeah. open. It was yeah. obvious. And mm. I remember reading articles where journalists were just minimalizing it. Mm. So it was a very different time. And of course, we didn't have the Internet. So, you know, the Internet came out in about... Um, 
uh, you know, obviously about 97, I was about sort of 17 when the internet really kind of kicked into people's houses. Mm. Um, so before that, to be a hip hop fan was hard work. Mm. So I would have to listen to Radio One's Westwood on a Friday and Saturday night because hip hop only had a slot. It was just a Friday and Saturday night on Westwood. I it remember wasn't Westwood days. I used to love yeah. listening to Tim Westwood's show. So, so, same with yeah. me. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it wasn't mainstream, so you wouldn't hear um, you wouldn't hear a lot of it, the Fuji's did break it through. So Fuji's did get to number one. They did break it through, and they were then given airplay on mainstream radio one. But it was only of the odd thing that w- that broke through. Most of it wasn't there, so it wasn't anything like that. You got to think is before one extra, before people really not that many people had Sky. If you had Sky, I didn't. You could watch Yo MTV raps. Um, back in those days um, but again it so these things were given an allotted show so you'd get like like a one like one hit a week you know of, of your genre of music so um but um also in this country we had um a, a lot of uh a sort of in our black communities in sort of the cities had a lot of links uh with relatives especially afro-caribbean community in america mm. so we had a whole culture where people were sending tapes from america sending the tapes to their cousins in Britain and those tapes would then end up being circulated, being, you know, copied, bootlegged, um, or they, or, you know, sometimes you get the originals that turn up in like a uh, music shop. So because my sister lived in Birmingham, um, mm. she, you know, she had friends that were of Afro-Caribbean origin that were getting these tapes. So they were, they were then giving them to her and then she would give them to me. So I, for instance, had the Snoop Dogg album mm. way before it was even released in this country because of that sort of link. So, um, yeah, music, it was the, the, just the distribution of it and the availability of it was just so different back then. But it made you appreciate it so much more. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. And, it's, and, it's, and it's all about that personal connection, isn't it, as well? I think which, like, really draws you into the music more, isn't it, when you know, when you know it has a kind of personal connection as well. I've always yeah. found that, yeah. I, I was just, just curiously, I, I realised we're springing... Uh, bringing this question on you but I just wondered when you were talking then um you're so passionate and that really comes through when you're talking um and which is so lovely to hear but I was just wondering do you have a favorite verse and if you do what is it and could you wrap it to us <laughs> I, I definitely couldn't wrap it to you because I don't my, my memory and my processing just wouldn't be that fast <laughs> so I I couldn't do that, but um, let me think of a favourite verse. I could give you some lines that, if, if you like, yeah, maybe that's yeah, the yeah. thing. So like some lines um, that I think are just really poetic um, and things. Um, okay, so um, I, again, obviously, I'll you know just go back to to Nas. I mean, there's just so many examples of really poetic lyrics. Mm. Um, of Nas, but his um, his track um, called "The Message" mm. is is an amazing an amazing song, um, and I just love the way at the end of that track he talks about um, he talks about how um, how friendships change over time and how um, he talks about how um, you know your friends become you know stra- you know best friends become strangers is, is the line, mm. and I've just always found that really deep and meaningful, and and the way he talks about those sort of personal relationships in in his storytelling, mm. um, and he he had a friend called um, called Will who was who was murdered literally at the time that he got his record deal, mm. um, and I just think some of his storytelling um, is so deep and meaningful. I really urge anyone to go and just read his lyrics. 
Mm. Um, you know, so because sometimes, you know, we, we get caught, so caught up in just looking, you know, listening to lyrics that, you know, really going and reading some. Um, and I've written um, a, a, a book, which you can look up on the Four Elements website, um, which if anyone's interested can have a check it out. But it's, it's a book that actually looks at lyric writing um, and the sort of the English literature kind of that you can get out of it. You know, like English literature skills. Mm. We look at metaphors and similes and storytelling. As you would analyse yeah. a poem, basically. Any poetry, yeah. Mm. yeah. So, so, um, so we put together, and it's, it's not been out that long, but it's on the website. You can have a look, um, and it goes through a lot of, you know, Nas lyrics, Eminem lyrics, um, Tupac lyrics. So I highly recommend anybody get that and really look at it because, you know, you'll see some lyrics in some songs that you've heard a lot of, but you mm. maybe haven't analysed and looked deeply into. Mm. So, um, so yeah. So although I can't rap myself, I can offer you that book. So um, <laughs> you can have a look at that on the website. And um, just for your show, if anyone messages me, I'll give. Uh, I'll send ten out for free. Oh, um, so. that's amazing! Thank you so much. Our listeners are going to be really, really grateful for that. That's yeah, actually incredible. So you, Thank yeah, you so, so much. Yeah. So please message message the the Four Elements website, which is www.fourelements.co.uk. Um, and send me a message in the first 10. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll send some out of anyone that's interested. Amazing. Okay? Oh, that is just amazing. Bless the world with the art of rap. Yes. Yeah. And that's fun. what the book's called, The Art of Rap. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much for joining us today, Yeah, Kelly. it's been amazing. Oh, and mm. you are such a role model in my life, I have to admit. Yeah, do keep in touch and, yeah, just keep posted and maybe we'll end up working together another time soon. Definitely. Definitely. Thank you so much. Thank you, Kelly. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. So if you've just tuned in, you're listening to Viz on Source FM with Izzy Compton and Star McFarlane. And we have just had an amazing chat with an amazing woman, Kelly Thorne, who has launched several rap and hip hop therapy therapy initiatives in prisons across the UK and if you've missed it I definitely suggest listening to it on catch up uh, wouldn't you is and yeah definitely and yeah she also in the interview she also offered 10 free books her books the art of rap which help um so they're basically literature studies Mm. through the medium of rap Mm. um and if you message her at www.4elements the number four e-l-e-m-e-n-t-z dot co dot uk message her on there um the first 10 people to message will get a free art of rap literature study book so Mm. go over there and message as soon as you can ah what an amazing gift isn't it yeah and what an amazing woman as well oh she's incredible she's such an inspiration to me i'm so glad that we managed to have her on the show oh definitely me too um so when we were thinking about the topic of the show for this week um i really felt like i wanted to talk about um the amazing effect of singing in prisons um and it's something that i have quite a close personal relationship to is my partner's mum actually runs well-being choirs and she runs one in uh, a men's prison and I was just kind of thinking about it because at this time of year um I mean covid has kind of come in the way of it but um she runs a a concert and for this these men in these prisons it's actually the highlight of the season for them because the reality is is that they're not going home for christmas um and it's always the highlight of her gear as well she absolutely loves it um and and i just think you know 
we've been talking about rap and hip-hop and music but singing actually has such amazing benefits as well and I think that is you you had something that you wanted to say yeah yeah I mean there's actually been loads of research on this the benefits of choral singing like singing in a group um and it's been shown to really help prisoners reintegrate because people don't often think about people think about prisons they think about people locked up but they don't often think about people leaving prison Mm. now some people have been in prison for so long that they've never even seen a smartphone Mm. they don't even know what the internet is they were in prison before the internet was invented mm. we don't we don't take time often to think about these people who have you know they've done their time they've accepted their 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 um their guilt and whatever and mm. then they have to leave and go into a society that is completely unfamiliar to them now uh choral singing helps people reintegrate it it for it helps people form social bonds it's it's an activity that almost performs like a ritual so mm. it can be really symbolic it can be emotive and it's also community based and this helps the personal development and emotional development of prisoners and inmates and you know it, it choirs and and music it connects people mm. in a way that not a lot of other things can mm. so yeah, I just wanted to mention mm. that actually quiet choral singing whilst we talk about how nice it is actually has genuine benefits mm. on people in mm. prisons and mm. can help them form bonds that are realistically going to change their lives mm. and off the back of that um, I wanted to talk about an artist who I love very deeply on a personal level she is someone who has done amazing work singing in and visiting prisons in the US and she's visited um, loads of places um, including the lights of Angola State Prison a higher reformatory for women and even the largest maximum security prison in the states and in doing that, she's raised thousands of dollars to gift inmates phone calls home um, and always does a kind of time. She's a Christian artist, but she does a time of fellowship where she just sings and prays over the people there. And it's honestly so moving, um, whether you're Christian or have a faith or not, just to watch and see these kind of macho grown men and women, uh, um, you know, in these kind of high security places, just be absolutely reduced to tears as she as she sings so my song choice this week is rescue by lauren daigle um and i think her vocal cords will do the explaining you are not hidden there's never been a moment you were forgotten You are not hopeless Though you have been broken Your innocence stolen I hear you whisper underneath your breath I hear your SOS, your SOS Send out an army to find you in the middle of the darkest night. It's true, I will rescue you. There is no distance, it cannot be covered over and over. 
Well, it does actually make me cry most yeah, times, that, but I'm just holding it together. The hairs on the back of my neck are standing up right now. It was absolutely stunning. And we've had such an amazing mix of like really gritty hip hop and mm. then like stunning vocals mm. this week. It's been mm. amazing. Ugh. Oh, well, I think we're nearing the end. Is we're nearing the end Indeed of another great are. show. But we can't end the show without first having a blurt of the week. <gasps> And it's my turn this week. This is his turn. Yeah. So my blurt of the week this week. I'm taking inspiration from Star's blurt last week, Thank all based on words, <laughs> um, and the fact that we're talking a lot about uh, like lyrics and stuff today sort of links in. I'm gonna recite a few verses from Ooh. a poem I have been writing for a couple of years now. It's a collaboration between me and pretty much everybody I meet. I always ask strangers that I meet on the streets or in pubs and stuff to come up with two words um, to add to the poem. Uh, so I feel like it connects me with loads of the wonderful wonderful people I've met all over the place. Um, the poem is titled Good Word, Bad Word, and you will see why when I begin. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> Conch, moist, epiphany, end, phalanges, phlegm, animal, flannel, hoverfly, Plymouth, tarnished, Trump, raviolo, renal, sassafras, 
secretion. And I'm going to leave it there. <laughs> There's many more, but I think you get the point. Um, and uh, once we've got our social media set up, I will be putting out a shout out calling oh for many my more, gosh. calling for many more good words and bad words bad words from our listeners oh that would be amazing oh that <laughs> was fantastic oh i love that poem. oh my favorite one was just plymouth <laughs> plymouth no offense to plymouth no plymouth. it's completely subjective everybody's completely subjective. their own opinion of on course. words Every- <laughs> anywho thanks for listening everybody yeah uh, please uh, join us yes join again. us next week We'll be back 3pm on Friday on 96.1 FM, Source FM, Star and Izzy. Yeah, do join us. It's been real. Mm-hmm. Yes. Have yeah. a great week, everyone. You I'm too. Star. I'm Izzy. Thank you so much. And we are Viz. Vis-a-vis. Vis-a-vis.